Amen. That was a great way to worship. You know, you talk about ways for us all to participate in worship. I mean, this is not like some kind of stage where the people up here are doing it all and everybody else is watching. And that was what was cool to me. And I turned around, I didn't realize you guys had the white handkerchiefs surrendering to Christ. That's a blessing. I thank you for that. That was worship for me. I turned around, didn't realize that was going on. And so uh, grateful to you. Talking about faith this morning in the life of Abraham, I want to read from two passages, Genesis chapter 12. We'll go ahead and read verses 1 through 7, then jump over to chapter 15 and read the first six verses there. ask you when you find that, if you will stand our God's honor. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the side of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I'll give you this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. And then jump over me to chapter 15. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, You've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir. But a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens. Count the stars. If indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So so your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Let's pray. Father, this idea of believing... It's more than an intellectual ascent. It's more than a fact that we read about in a textbook. Father, may we search our hearts as we are inspired by this man, Abram. Later, as we know, as Abraham. Father, his trust of you. And, and Father, may we be moved as well to really think about Believing you and what that means. Father, thank you that we've been able to raise a flag of surrender. And help us, uh, Father, see what that means through this week. As we not only submit to you in a building together. But out in a world that needs you. Thank you, Father, for a chance to gather. As we continue worship, I pray that your word might come alive. 
And that only happens through the work of your Holy Spirit. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, to work and to empower. Because your word says it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. In Christ's name, amen. As I've listened to different people who God used in mighty ways through listening to a number of different biographies over the past couple of weeks, the one thing that stood out to me was that they had this confidence or awareness of God and of what it means for God to be alive and and, and to to be real and, and to care and to be involved in the daily lives of people. And, you know, sometimes the, the pressure comes and, and we just feel so overwhelmed. But I love what Hudson Taylor, missionary in China, wrote. He said, it does not matter how great the pressure is. What really matters is where the pressure lies. Whether it comes between you and God or whether it presses you nearer to his heart. What matters is where the pressure lies. Whether it becomes between you and God or presses you closer to his heart. And it's interesting as I have you know, been reminded again of different ones that have inspired so many believers through the years for their faith. It, they had pressure. But they didn't let the pressure lie between them and God and serve as, as a hindrance to keep them away from God, but to bring them closer to God. Matter of fact, I listened to Robbie Zacharias the other day, and he was talking about David Livingston, you know, the, the Scottish missionary who went to Africa, and he went through all this crazy suffering that Livingston went through. And then as they came to the end of that description of that suffering, it came to a point where they were carrying him around on a type of cot from... Uh, village to village out in the African bush, and just so he could tell people about Christ. And he finally, he was so sick, he's, he, he asked his aides who were with him, could you just take me home? I just can't go anymore. So they went home, and he said, would you please put me on my knees so I can pray? And so they put Livingston on his knees. And after a few minutes, the two guys, they kind of shook his shoulder to get his attention, make sure he's okay, and he dropped over dead. And Zach, Ravi Zacharias, it, it, it kind of touched me. He said, after that, he said, and David Livingston died the way he lived in the presence of God. And I thought, man, I think that's what we're hungry. That's, I know that's what I'm hungering for. I don't want to exist merely. I want God to awaken me to who he is. And, and, and to his presence. Uh, and, and that's what is so powerful. As you look at this one Abram, Abraham. I mean, here he is. Uh, he, he comes out of a land where the living true God is not worshipped. His family carves idols. And it's there in this place that he encounters God. And God speaks to him and says, we're going to head out of this place and I'm going to be your guide. We're going to go to a place you've never been before, but don't worry, I'll take care of you. 
And so he sets out on this journey in faith. It made me think of you know that famous verse we quote, Hebrews 11, 1, in the King James. He says, now faith is what? It's the substance of things hoped for. Now you think about substance, you think, okay, this is the material that's created from. This is the stuff, if you poke it, you get a hole in it, this is what comes out. So if you poke faith, it's the substance of things hoped for. This is what comes out. It's that yearning. It's that longing. That deep craving. That's what it's, that's what's there. It's the substance of things hoped for, and it's the evidence of things not seen. You see, that craving, it's not in something that just the five senses, our, our eyes and our ears and, and, and touch and, and all of those senses. It's, we're not detected faith in that way. That's, that's not the way. It, it happens as there's a yearning, that evidence that we, we grasp hold of and and yet it's through a confident trust that occurs and and as we look in in chapter 12 of this section as God speaks to Abraham he speaks and gives promises covenant promises it's interesting um in numbers 23:19 this is from the new century version it says God is not a human and he does not lie. God is not a human being. And he does not change his mind. What he says he'll do, he'll do. What he promises, he will make come true. You see, when God promises, he is able to deliver. When, when God establishes a covenant... It can be fully trusted. It's interesting as you look through the scriptures. There is mention of several different covenants. And 1 Samuel chapter 18. It talks about David and the king's son. His best friend Jonathan. And it's a beautiful description of their friendship. I mean they were tightly. Just a tight bond. And I could picture them being the blood brothers. You know you've cut you know, gripped there together, and there's that just picture of best friends. And they make this covenant with one another in 1 Samuel 18, 3, where they say, man, I'm going to be your friend, and I will be there for you no matter what happens. So, so there's a covenant that's mentioned there, and then there's a covenant that's mentioned in the time of Noah. Remember what it said, that everybody did what was right in their own eyes. That there was no room for God. And so God inevitably said, I'm tired. I'm just going to wipe out mankind. I'm, I'm going to bring this flood. And, and, and so there was this promise by God. But ultimately, another promise is mankind was spared. And as evidence of that, there's the rainbow that we're told about in that account. That God says, I'm faithful. I'm not going to destroy the world by flood ever again. And then in 2 Samuel chapter 7... There's a covenant between God and David where he says, your descendants, hey, will sit on the throne and there will be one who will always be on the throne. And of course, we know as followers of Jesus Christ that that, that was a foreshadow. That was a picture that there was a king coming that is more than all the other kings combined and all the other kings that had sat on the throne. So, 
we come to this picture of a covenant. I want to look at this exact covenant that God shares here, beginning in verse 2 of chapter 12 of Genesis. He says, I will make you into a great nation. He says, from you, there will be a nation. And, and, and of course, this is speaking about the Jews, God's holy nation, God's chosen people. In, in the Old Testament chronicles, the history of, of God's activity and the lives of the Jews, of, of His people that are set apart to follow His ways and to hear His voice as He sets up this way to be in touch with His people, that holy nation. And, and so that's where the promise starts. So, hey, you want to go back to the line of the Hebrews, of the Jews, where He met this man, Abram, and He speaks to him. And, and He says, um, I want you to notice the end in these promises too. He says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. You know, I kind of love this because he says, hey, in the future, from you will come this great nation, Abram. But I want you to know that we're not just talking about this great nation that will be, I'm going to bless you. There's this personal encounter with a living God. And I love that as corporately as God's people. We as Kingsway Baptist Church and then the other churches that make up His people in Bristol. We're all together and in, 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 in what we share is His blessings and His beliefs. But He also speaks to me, to the individual. It's just beautiful. And He goes on and He says, I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. You know, I love I love that part of it too. People are going to know who you are, but more than that, you're going to be a blessing. I mean, that that is so awesome. I mean, what's better than people seeing you as a blessing? I don't want to be a burden. I don't want to be one of those people. You know, I think I told this story as a younger preacher, a friend of mine that was a preacher. He he said there was this lady that. Be quite honest with you, he didn't like seeing her because she complained all the time. And he was in the grocery store one time, and there she was, and he was running from aisle to aisle hoping that she wouldn't see him. He says, I'm going to make you a blessing, not a burden. And, and then he says, even beyond that personal word, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse and All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And God had a plan where he spoke to this man. And and from this man came a nation. And all nations would be blessed. And it's it's quite worrisome when I see our land at times um, shaky in our support of Israel. Because God says, hey, I'm going to bless this land. And those who stand with Israel are blessed. And, and those who don't, there's a curse. That, anyway, there, there's that picture. And, and we know that through Jesus Christ, inevitably, that blessing is for all of us. Regardless of whether we're Jewish or, or we're not Jewish. It is that one Jew who died in our place that gave that ultimate blessing that we enjoy and that we share but Abraham, um, as he as he took that blessing to heart, you know, God said to him in this section of scripture, he he says, I 
uh, as, as he goes on, he said, I'm going to make your, I'm going to give your offspring this land. I'll give him all the land. So he said to him, look around there. Look around. What you see will be yours. It'll be a blessing not only to you, but those who come after you. This is a godly heritage that I've given to you, Abram, and it's going to be passed on down through your family. But it didn't happen overnight. 25 years pass. And it's kind of beautiful as you look through the Scripture. Abram... You know, we look at some of these people like, well, they're like spiritual giants or they're almost like superheroes of the faith. They suffer too. And they doubt too. And matter of fact, from the chapter 13, that next chapter, and, and we see that Abram, some time passes and, 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 and his spirits are kind of down. And starting there at verse 14, the Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, Lift up your eyes from where you are and look north and south, east and west. All the land that you see I'll give to you and to your offspring forever. He says, look around again, Abram. But he doesn't stop with just looking around. He says, I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and breadth of the land for I am giving it to you. What a walk that must have been. As he walked and as he thought, this is going to be given to me by God. And then it says, as he closes the chapter, it says he worships. <laughs> as he, he sets up an altar to the Lord God. Time passes, he's older, still no child. And 25 years as we come to our next section of Scripture, chapter 15. I mean, he's 99 years old. He's having some... Doubts here about being a dad. I don't think I have to go into much detail how you'd have your doubts at 99 years old. He says, uh, chapter 15, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield. <laughs> your very great reward. Man, what, what a promise. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord. What can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my state is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, you've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. You see, Abram had waited 25 years and he's thinking, God is going to have to do it different. He must have a he must have a secondary plan because this can't work like I'm led to believe. Sometimes we do that. We miss God's best because we think he's surely not going to do it that way. That was where Abram was. And God spoke to him, though, and he responded. The word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. This time... I want you to see the next verse. Instead of saying, Abram, look around and walk around and see what I'm going to give you. I want you to notice where he looks. He took him outside and said, look up. Look up at the heavens. Count the stars, if indeed you can count them. <laughs> then he said to him, so shall your offspring be 
Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. This time he, he said, it's not enough just to look around. I want you to look up. Man, there's this struggle. And he says, you, you don't just look around, look up. And, and that's a call of faith. He says, I want you to look up. I want you to count the stars. I want you to understand that that which you can't possibly understand, I made. And I am the God who brings to fulfillment what he promises, what he gives. I am that God. I think of the promises to his people. Isaiah 41, verse 10. What a great promise. He, he says, so do not fear. For I am, you're, I am with you. He says, do not be dismayed. I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I'll help you. I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. He's saying, you're not alone. I'm there with you in the midst of it. I'm with my people. I'm with my people. Abram, at this point, his name means exalted father. We, we know he'll have the name change. He'll become Abraham, which means father of many nations. As he brings to pass that promise. There are some promises that are conditional. Those are the ones that have if. If you do this, if you do that. But the promises, if, if you notice here, there's no conditions on these promises. God says, this is the blessing I will bestow upon you. And there are many of those promises in the Scripture that basically are not contingent on what I do. But it is God's precious promise, His gift, His covenant that is given to us. Just a few of them uh, in the text of the Scriptures. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Actually, the first uh, verse I committed to memory as a teenager. No temptation. Temptation's everywhere. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. In other words, you're not alone. We all face temptation. He says, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but he'll provide you a way out so you can stand up under it. Well, what a great verse of scripture. In other words, when you think, God, I just can't stay faithful. He says, oh yeah, you can. By the way, you're not the only one that's faced this. And by the way, God's faithful. He's not, man, he's not run off and left you alone to face this. And he'll give you a way out. He'll give you an escape. He'll give you an exit. And you'll be able to stand up under the burden. Because he's faithful. But what about the devil? How, how, do, how do we react to the spiritual battle that goes on? James 4, verse 7. He says, submit yourselves then to God. You start out with that white flag, guys. Like he showed us. Surrender. Starts out there. You don't fight him by your strength. Surrender. Submit yourselves then to God. It says, then resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Starts with the white flag. Then it comes to resistance. Uh, he also says when you put on that whole armor of God. He says when you put on the full armor of God. You'll be able to take your stand against the devil. And after you've done everything else. Just to stand. Not to be strong and, and, and bold and charging at times. Sometimes all you can do is stand. But he promises that you can stand. What about that unconditional promise of being faithful to serve God's people and to love Him? Hebrews 6.10 says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown Him as you have helped His people and continue to help them. Yeah, that's a great verse too. <laughs> hey, God's not unjust. He knows your work. We don't have to know it. 
There are many things that you guys do for Christ I don't know about. That doesn't matter. What matters is God knows about that. God knows your work. And he will not forget that work. He remembers. He remembers as you have helped his people. As as you have been there to be that blessing. You know, God said to Abram, you'll be a blessing. And he, he remembers you as you serve as a blessing to other people. And as you continue on in that route, he remembers. He's faithful. He's there. Even in prayer, when we think that we're alone. I, I love... I love the verse Hebrews 4.16. It says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. In some translations it says, boldly. Before God, boldly? What a thought. Why? So that we may find grace and receive mercy in our time of need. Man, what, what a great promise. You know, it's interesting as you go through uh, here and, and, and as this baby is about to be born and they named the baby Laughter, Isaac, because they're thinking, this is crazy, Lord. You're really going to do this at our ages? And, and yet, God worked. God came through. And through that, you know, quite frankly, 25 years of waiting, so much of life, and I hate it, to be honest with you, at times is waiting. Man, my timetable and God's often are not the same. Abram and Sarah worked through that. And that's our call too. I'm sure at this point there is something in your life and you're waiting for God. You're waiting for God to bring victory. Something. We all have that. Whether it's a sickness of someone we love. Whether it's a broken relationship with someone. People who need Jesus that we love. And they just don't want to listen. You might as well talk to a brick. Because they're not going to respond. God changed their heart. They're all... all if, if, if that waiting game that comes and it transpires. And you feel like it's just a joke in God's eyes. You just, you just, God's at work. And this is what Abraham believed. And it was credited to him as righteousness. Because he just kept plugging along. Plugging along. Let, let me close uh, this section of scripture from Second Peter chapter 1. What a great section of scripture. Um, I want to start at verse 3, after Peter's made introductions. He gives us this great truth. and He starts out, he says, His divine power, His resurrection power, that's available to us. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Just think about that for a minute, guys. His divine power has given us what? It's given us everything we need for life and godliness. We're always looking for, you know, that new slick program or, or you know, that, that new idea that's just going to, you know, do this great work. He says, no, it's not out there. It's been provided to you at salvation. God is there. His divine power lives in you. And you have everything you need for life and godliness. Why do you have? It's why. 
Look what he says here in verse 3. He says, it's through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. It's for his glory so that his goodness might be displayed or poured out through our lives as we surrender with the white flag. He brings forth that godliness that others see as goodness and it's for his glory. And he goes on, verse 4. <laughs> through these, talking about his glory, his goodness. Through these, he's given us his very great and precious promises. Those promises that we can put that confidence in. So that through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. He says the promises, when we can begin to see the promises of God, not as just textbook material, but as life. And as the power we need to walk with the living God. Hey man, when that begins to happen in our lives, there is a power there where we don't just walk with a status quo and we don't just become a victim of the corruption of, of this world and that the, the power and the, and the allure of the flesh, of the sinful nature. But, but we're able to participate in being able to walk with God. Being able to see His blessing flow in us and through us. Man, what a, what a thought of what He is able to do through our lives. And it's what he does. Man, we're... We get in trouble sometimes. God gives us that spiritual spanking. But his love is so complete. And that's what Jesus is all about. That the work he did on the cross, he said it is finished. It, our sins were paid for. And his divine power is made available to us. We have... That which we need. We just need to be reminded about Jesus. We just need to remember He is our salvation. He is our shield. He is our righteousness. He is our hope. It's like the story of the grandfather who watched his baby son in the playpen. Screaming. Clutching with those little chubby fists. Wanting desperately to get out. He wants to reach down there and pull out that little boy. But he knows that his mom's put him in there because he's in trouble. And, and the tears are about more than he can take. As he, he watches that little one cry those crocodile tears. And he's thinking, man, i got to do something. My boy's suffering. So he does the only thing he can do. He climbs in the crib with him. Isn't it great? That God did the only thing he could do. He came down here. To be with us. So that we. Might be with him. Let's pray. God I thank you for your word. Lord I confess. That I feel really weak. When it comes to this faith walk stuff. God. And yet your word says in Hebrews eleven six, without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. Father, thank you for coming to us. 
for revealing yourself to us. Father, may we remember you. And Father, I pray for anyone here today who has never had that encounter with you where he or she sees for the first time that I'm in trouble. I need to be forgiven. And I need someone who will pay the price for for my sin, for how I've broken God's heart. That's what Jesus, that's why he came. That's that's his finished work on that cross. And Father, I pray, what a great day for someone to say, Jesus, <laughs> I need you. Enter my life. Forgive me of my sin. May your divine power enter and give me everything I need for life and godliness. <laughs> and Father, just do a work here. Maybe at the altar. Maybe people, maybe someone just needs to come and bear their hearts at the altar and pray. Father, maybe someone needs to share a great work that you're up to in their lives with your people. I just want to see you work. I'm not interested in uh, father manipulation or trying to get somebody up here. I'm interested in you just opening our hearts. Because God, if anything is going to happen, it's going to be you. It's not going to be us. And so, Father, we just want to give you permission. <laughs> like That sounds kind of crazy. But for some reason, you have said, I'm not going to force my way in. So, Father, we want to surrender the white flag this morning to you. And as we stand, as we sing, Father, may that surrender lead us where you want us to be. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.